All right, well, it's good to be here this morning. Uh, how do you guys like the decorations we have on stage this morning? Different, uh, did I hear somebody say ugly? That's a nice shade of green, nice shade of red. Maybe a little premature, a little Christmassy. Oh, hey, my, my wife, I should have had her coordinated for me this morning. She says it doesn't match, but, uh, you know, need to say. Had a few issues along those lines through the years. She's done a lot of training, but I guess this morning it didn't completely pay off. Um, anybody wonder what we got under the, uh, Tablecloths. Well, for those of you in the back, you're going to be really missing out. We've got about 20-something seats up here, so uh, you might want to come up closer so you can really participate. I promise you, I won't do anything to hurt you. Uh, I'll keep the spitting on you to a minimum. Uh, you know, we get worked up sometimes. That happens. Seriously, guys, let's fill this in a little bit. I am not going to continue until we do. Join the family. That's what we are here. At least that's what we're supposed to be. Amen. I just want to let everybody know, Karina wants you to be assured it's going to be smelling nice up front. She did take a shower this morning. I appreciate that, Karina. You know, guys, if we do this from the beginning, guess what? We won't have to do it now. So I just, you know, it's kind of a training thing. We are family. For those of you visiting with us, we have these kinds of family talks from time to time. I'm grateful we have such a large auditorium, but it really gives us the opportunity to interact, to sing, for it to be more powerful. Prayerfully, we'll get this figured out here at some point in time as we move forward. Uh, as Brian said, uh, we've gone through our uh, September series, which uh, basically is dealing with the questions that Jesus asked. Jesus did that for what reason? Same reason we got this wonderful pause right now. You're wondering why I asked that question. Why did Jesus ask those questions? Seriously, it makes us think. It it gives us pause to really consider what it is that maybe is going on. Some of the things that he asked questions about were, who do you say I am? And I think that's obviously a challenge in society today, and that you ask any ten people, you'll probably get ten different answers. Just as you will about religion today. What's the way to get to heaven? You ask ten people, you'll probably get a hundred different answers as to how to accomplish that. You know, do you want to get well? Knowing that through Christ we have the ability to live life to the full, to really enjoy life, to have a life of purpose, a life of impact. You know, one of the other ones was, can you drink the cup? And obviously, in the lesson that we heard last week, being a disciple, being a Christian, isn't always a cakewalk. There's sacrifice involved. But when we look at that sacrifice in a life where we're living for Christ versus living for ourselves, isn't there a contrast? Isn't there a benefit? It was nothing more than getting to heaven. Honestly, isn't that enough? Are we buying that this morning? I mean, it should be. I mean, that in and of itself should excite us to be able to spend eternity in heaven with God. With our friends, with our family members. You know, the uh, question that we're going to be looking at this morning is, why are you still afraid? Faith or fear? You know, personal fears. Any of you have any of those? Few? 
I've had an assortment through the years. Um, I think my first one started when I was six years old. I was in a, for me, a strange place. I was visiting a family for the first time in New York on my, my adoptive mom's side. And I remember going into this really kind of dingy basement. You know, you go down the stairs and kind of getting the spider webs out of your face and whatnot. And the bathroom upstairs was being used and, you know, I needed to use the facility. So I went to the one downstairs. They had one little pole light in the center of the whole thing. I remember sitting down, and I remember looking up, and it helped me facilitate the process. Let me tell you, this huge spider came dropping down on me. It looked like that. I I know it couldn't have been that big, but it honestly looked to me like that face sucker in Aliens. I mean, you've never seen anybody jet out of a bathroom so fast in your life. And that kind of set the pace for me with spiders. Some of them really give me the eebie-jeebies. Not big on black widows. Not big on wolf spiders. Not big on the camel spiders over there in the Middle East. If you haven't seen it, pull it up. About yay big. And when they get running, they kick up dust. We, I've got a buddy who was a part of the CBs over there in Afghanistan. And he was saying they got out of their vehicles and they started walking and they stopped for a moment. And they hear this screeching. They're like, what the heck is that? And they see dust being kicked up coming towards them. And it was these camel spiders, and they're about yay big. The reason they're called camel spiders, when the camels are sleeping, they slip up underneath them, and they suck the blood out of them in the middle of the night. But the thing that was interesting is they weren't in an attack mode. The temperatures are so extreme, and there's so little shade, they ran up to the soldiers, and they stood in their shadow. (laughs) Now, I don't know who the guy was that was brave enough to stand there to wait to figure that out, but somebody, somebody obviously wasn't afraid of spiders. You know, some of the other, uh, some of the other fears. Um, any of you afraid of heights? I've been there. I face it from time to time. I, I kind of, it's one of those things where you got the anxiety factor, and then there's that adrenaline rush, and for me, usually the adrenaline rush will win out over the anxiety. Oh, as a kid, one of my biggest fears was when the final bell rang. Now, I imagine most of you got pretty excited when you heard the final bell, right? I was kind of a little wimpy guy with a big mouth. It's not a good combination. And the reality, when that bell rang, it was fear. Am I going to survive my walk or my bike ride home? And this is not an exaggeration. There was a period of time, you know, again, part of it I brought on myself. I was out running the greens with the guys, and a bunch of guys in this particular gang had issues with me. One of them ran by and tripped me as I was running. I went down, and each of the successive guys after that, the succession that took place, kicked me while I was on the ground. I got a little aggravated. I got up, and the last guy to kick me was a little bit slower than the rest of them. So I went running after him, and I reached out, and I caught his rear leg, and he went flying onto the concrete, and he broke his arm. Not something I'm happy about. The result made me a lot less happy because now there was a warrant on my head. You know, you know those wonderful black windows they have to block out the uh, outside light on the bottom? Virtually every other pane at Hollenbeck Junior High School had Steve, R.I.P. <laughs> Didn't know exactly what it meant. Somebody informed me that that little thing like this was a cough or a tombstone and the rest, in, the R.I.P. was rest in peace. And literally every day for weeks, there he is! Get him! You know, and I'm on my little three-speed. I felt like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. You know? 
try to get home. You know, it's one of those things where your parents just set you up with the dorkiest bike on the face of the planet. I got the twin baskets on the back. You know, the chrome fenders, not the cool road bike. You know, a little three-speed shifter with a bell. And you guys wonder why I'm a mess. Anyway, um, you know, then, you know, I think some of that trans- transforms later on into life where, as an adult, some of those fears slide in. You know, am I going to be able to be a good dad? Am I going to be able to be a good husband? Am I going to be able to be good in the workplace? And then when you, you sort of get some of those things moving in the right direction... And then it's like, is that all there is? What's left in this life? You know, is it just, you know, punch a time clock, bring home a paycheck, put food on the table, back to work, punch a time clock, put food on the table, back to work, punch a time clock, put food on the table, and not really having a purpose. You know, those sleepless nights where you're really thinking through, and it's amazing how the fear, I don't know what it is, you lay down in bed at night, and if you're not doing well, what happens? The brain is going a gazillion miles an hour. What about this? What about that? How are you going to handle this? What's going ah, You know, you just, you can't sleep. It just freaks you out. Well, Jesus had that question to his guys in a passage of Mark 4 we're going to be looking at this morning where he asked them, why are you still afraid? You know, we've talked about some of the uh, personal fears. There's the top three fears. Which, let me uh, give you the definition first. Fear defined by Webster's is, fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Now, often, not all the time, it's amazing how we can get our heads going when there isn't even anything to get our heads going about. It says, fears are the irrational beliefs about an object, an event, a happening, or feeling that will result in a negative, disastrous, life-threatening, disturbing, or unsettling consequence. Top three fears. 51% 51% fear of snakes. Any of you guys have issues with snakes? No, not quite 51% here. And the rest of you aren't being honest. But uh, anyway, it was close. Uh, the second, four, uh, the uh, second one is 40% of the general populace has a deathly fear of public speaking. Any of you have issues there? I, I know this may be hard to believe, but it was a major deal with me. I graduated from high school a year early. That was to get away from the guys who were chasing me. Um, in my freshman year in college, I had a uh, public speaking class, and I literally would not sleep the night before. I couldn't eat. I was sick. I hated it. I was 17 years old, and it seemed like everybody else in the class was 40. So, you know, you got this punk kid, you got all these guys, all this life experience, and all these other issues going on, and I got to get up there and make a fool out of myself. At least that's how I felt. It's amazing. God obviously works things out and kind of takes us in different directions. But, you know, public speaking was not something I ever in a gazillion years thought I would ever be doing. And then the uh, third one is heights. Now, we transition in uh, one of the top three critters that uh, people take issue with. Well, we'll start with number three out of the uh, bunch. Top three feared critters. Number three is... Hey, oh, there we go. This little guy. Any of you afraid? He's kind of cute. <laughs> Thank you. 
Poor guy. Number two. Number two. What do we got under this one? Spiders. Now, these guys really give me the eebie-jeebies, just so I say it. So let's, let's be quiet out there, please. Keep it calm in the audience. He's kind of aggressive, too. You know what? I can't get the cage open. Come here, buddy. I don't like the way this feels, okay? And, you know, I'm glad I can't see him real close because they told me, oh, don't talk over him. They told me that when the little mandibles by the side, or the little feelers by the side of the mandibles get twitching, it means they're agitated and they're getting ready to bite. And I don't know if that's where he's at or not, but he's going back in the cage. Please. Please. Down, boy. I got the shakes, man. Okay, spiders. Uh, number three. Now, these guys don't bother me as much. I did have an issue a few years back, though, where my Siberian Huskies cornered a rattlesnake, and I didn't know what it was. And I caught it, and after I caught it, I realized what it was. So snakes kind of, I guess they still kind of bother me now since that. It's okay, dude. It's okay. It's okay. Any of you guys have snake issues? A few of you? And, you know, why is that we've got issues with stuff like this? Well, maybe it's because of the next thing that happens on the slide here. Here we got snakes, you know, there's different varieties. This guy's obviously relatively mellow, I think. You doing alright? Yeah, he's doing alright. I think that's the, the real issue here. When it comes to like spiders or snakes or mice, we're, we're afraid that we might get bit. There you go, buddy. He's a little cold, man. I think he needs a heat rock or something. It's probably good for me though. He's, uh, kind of mellow. Uh, the uh, spider and the mouse is, for those of you that, uh, any of you parents that might be interested, you can come see me afterwards and I'll hook you up with either one of the two. Um, the snake, this was really kind of cool because uh, I couldn't find anybody in the fellowship that had one and I went to uh, Reptile Finders where I got the tarantula and I got the, uh, the mouse and I just said to the guy, I go, you know, I know it's kind of an oddball request, but has anybody ever rented snakes from me? That guy right there is about 300 bucks. And uh, he said, well, sometimes in the inter- entertainment industry they do, and, you know, you get to put down a deposit of the full value of the snake, and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, when the guy found out it was a minister, he hooked me up for free for today. So I thought that was kind of cool. So I-, I guess I've got everybody's attention right now. Heart's pumping a little bit for those of you that maybe had issues with anything that was up front. Francis, you doing okay? You didn't look too good with that tarantula. You kind of lost your color there with that tarantula. You know, I just wanted to mention this, too. This young lady in the front row with us, Francis, awesome friend of the family, and I, this is why I really love Facebook. 
we lost contact. Uh, this woman was with us when Jackie and I eloped to Vegas. She was one of the bridesmaids. And honestly, was an incredible help in convincing Jackie to move forward with this guy up on stage. You know, Jackie was really wild. Francis was semi-wild, so there's a little bit more stability and maturity in the thought process. Oh, I forgot her daughter, so never mind. Yeah, actually, your mom was absolutely phenomenal, great woman. But, you know, I, I super appreciate you a ton. I know I've told you that, and very, very grateful, obviously, for the woman I'm married to here today. But with that, when it comes to stress, you know, why the fear? We're, we're afraid something's going to get happen. We're going to get hurt. You know, maybe it's fear of losing a job. Maybe it's fear of a bad grade. I mean, there's so many different things that slip in. But with that, let's take a look at some uh, stats here. When it comes to things that can be helped by worrying, the experts, this is what they've kind of nailed down. 2% might be helped by worrying. I don't know if that's just because it's a focal point. Maybe it's something you're focused on and you're able to facilitate the change because of all the energy that's being vested in it. The other 98% is spent as follows. 40% spend time worrying about things that never happen. Guys, that's almost half the time you spend worrying. And I don't even, I don't even, I didn't find a stat on how much of our day is spent in that particular mode, but for some of us it can be quite a bit. 35% is spent about worrying about things that cannot be changed. You're not going to be able to affect a change, so why worry about it? 15% is spent worrying about things that turn out better than expected. 8% is spent worrying about things that don't matter at all. I mean, think about the amount of time we waste in these situations. I mean, it's just, it's kind of, I mean, if, you know, honestly, pause for a minute from a personal standpoint and think about what goes into your day, some of the things that you actually get caught up in worrying about. And what the issue with this is when it comes to worry and anxiety, it translates into fear. Fear is disabling. Fear prevents us from living life to the full. Fear prevents us from being productive. Fear prevents us from achieving the destiny that God, our Creator, has in store for us. You know, how many of you have been totally immobilized by fear when it comes to making a decision? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And sometimes we do nothing. You know, and ultimately what's the result of that? Fear is powerful. It's a crippling force. It can damage our lives as well as the emotional and spiritual well-being of ourselves and others that we're involved with. Now I want you to take a minute here. Think of a worry, recent worry or fear that you struggled with. How much, of, how much of the time that you spent worrying about whatever the situation was that you were afraid of, did it actually happen, the negative outcome? Now think about what the result of was giving into that fear. And just realize how incredibly controlling it is. Fear makes us powerless. Faith. Gives us power. You know, just even thinking through that further, when it comes to a situation where maybe there was a fear that you were bothered with, but you know what? You pushed through. Maybe you prayed about it. It's your favorite memory scripture that you have that got you over the hump. And when you were able to have that victory, that accomplishment of pushing through, how did you feel? You know, I'm really proud of my wife. Just looking back through the years, uh, she's had anxiety issues from a very young age. I think with the, the loss of her dad, it, things went up exponentially from that point forward. She got so much confidence 
from the relationships that she had with her father. They had a great family. And I think that Jim was such an incredible safe harbor, I think, for Jackie. And it was amazing how there was this proliferation of things that continued to get worse when it came to stress and anxiety. She couldn't fly, couldn't get into elevators. Uh, there were just a lot of things, you know, amusement parks, whatever. There were a lot of things that she wouldn't do where that fear controlled her. And it's just really, I, I'm grateful for the kingdom. I'm grateful for discipling. I'm grateful for God's word. I mean, there was some incredible woman that helped her with some of these things. And now, getting on, I think she's better getting on an airplane than I am. I mean, we've got, we've logged tens, twenties, thirties, forties, fifty thousands of miles around the world, places like uh, Johannesburg, Israel. I mean, just so many different places that, you know, and I know that, she, I know for sure with Israel, that's something she would have regretted the rest of her life if she'd never been able to make it. But because of, again, God's word, prayer, and the people that are in our lives, she's been able to face all those dead on. Even the elevator thing, sometimes a little bit of an issue. And she's got, there's probably a little bit of reason for the worry there. She's been trapped in elevators twice. So, you know, it's not like worrying about something that's never happened or worrying about something that you heard from somebody else who told somebody else who told somebody else 20 years ago that happened. But, I mean, these are actual experiences that she herself went through. And it's just awesome to know that because of her ability to get beyond that, you know, she really has the opportunity to live life to the full today. You know, it's 535 known specific phobias. I mean, is that crazy? What I like to know is who the guy, who's the guy that got paid to sit there and count them all up? But, you know, here's a, here's a couple of my favorites. Conseco aleophobia. Any of you ever heard of that one? Any of you have fear of chopsticks? It's in the list. It's an actual phobia, fear of chopsticks. Uh, some of you may have this one. I know a few people that do. Cole, cool row phobia. Fear of clowns. You know, there's obviously a lot of people out there, man. It's, it's amazing with the haunted houses these days. There's a lot more clowns incorporated in the mix. Um, anthrophobia. Fear of flowers. Clonophobia. Fear of going bed. Some of you got giddy up phobia. You're late. You have a hard time getting out of bed. That one was in my notes. That was just kind of a fever. I just, you know, there probably is that one. I don't know what the actual name is, though. So just, you know, whatever. Let's move on. Uh, buffonophobia. Fear of toads. I mean, I'm not making fun of these situations. I mean, seriously, these things have ruined people's lives. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States. 19.1 million adults suffering from some form. That's 13.3% of the population. You know, and the reality behind all this is, is the bulk of our society today is living with some type of fear. Anxiety comes into our lives, steals our joy, replaces it with panic. We worry about everything from relationships to the environment. You know, the, the poles are melting, uh, whatever. I mean, you know, uh, our carbon footprint, all these different things that are going on out there. When in the reality of it, what is the actual impact it has on our day-to-day living? You know, Jesus in Matthew 6 says, don't worry about tomorrow. Each day has enough worry about of its own. Why? Can we affect, really, what's going on tomorrow, next year, 10 years from now, 100 years from now? But we do have control over what's going on in our immediate time what's going on in the present, what's going on today. 
You know, fear and worry causes development all kinds of physical symptoms, chest pains, headaches, dizziness. It can trash our immune systems. Last year, there was more than $22.84 billion spent on medical treatment by those with anxiety disorders seeking relief from the physical symptoms that mimic physical illness. And, you know, the reality behind this, even as Christians, we're not immune to these worries and fears, whether they're real or imagined. You know, uh, Ernest Hemingway's got a great quote. He says, trials do not make or break the individual. They merely reveal the individual. Is that powerful? You know, what? when it comes to my life, where are we at? How do we handle things when the trials come? You know, this, this quote actually will come to life here in Mark 4.38. We're going to take a look at it in a minute. But in the midst of this incredible storm... The disciples' true colors were revealed. You know, what it did ultimately is it prompted Jesus to ask him this question, why are you still afraid? You know, Mark 4, let's go ahead and turn there, or you can see it on the screen. Mark 4, verse 37 says, A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. So it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care? If we drown, he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you still so afraid? You still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I had the opportunity uh, a number of years ago to go to Israel. Two of the highlights for me on the trip, well, there were so many, but I mean, just from the archaeological sites that we had the opportunity to go to, I mean, that in itself was incredible. But we had an opportunity to go to uh, Gethsemane as well as the Sea of Galilee. We were in a boat very much like this. I had a group of about 15 singles with us. And my mother-in-law. And um, I had the opportunity to do a devotional right there on the Sea of Galilee. It was so incredibly cool. But what we found out is the, the day that we experienced was very unusual and that the lake was glassy. I mean, it was completely flat. But if you take a look at the background of the picture here, this gives you an idea of the terrain. It's really, it's not a sea, it's a lake. For those of you who have been out to Salton Sea, may not be. I, actually, I think it's smaller than Salton Sea. But there's these incredible ranges all the way around it with all these canyons that feed down into it. And literally within minutes, a storm can sweep through, the winds whip up. And it's hard to believe on a closed body of water like this, but I talked to one of the locals there. He said they sometimes get waves that are in between 7 and 12 feet on this small body of water. So a craft like this would totally take on water and sink. And they've actually, I think it's kind of cool, if you're into archaeology, kind of freebie, they found the actual boats from that period of time that sunk, were in the mud at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee, and there's a number of museums that actually have them uh, where they've been restored. But with that, so you, you can understand that as these guys were out there fishing, this was a pretty extreme situation that they were dealing with. Ultimately, what it gets, to, it gets back to is who are we when it comes to our walk with God? I think in a lot of instances, we can become control freaks. You know, our way is the best way. Our way is the only way. And I think the, the, where Satan has got us tricked out on that, it's tangible. 
I mean, I know me. I know God from what I read. I know God from what I pray. And I know God when I'm living in accordance with Scripture, how He works in my life. But those times where I'm not doing spiritually, doing well spiritually, I try to take the wheel. I try to take control. And that's when it really turns into a mess. You know, things don't go the way that I want them to. So I start losing my patience. I panic. You know, with that, I give in to fear. And I can ultimately end up disobeying God in those situations. Or even worse, hurting those or damaging those that are dear to me. My wife, my children, damaging their faith because they see a dad who Jesus would ask the same questions with. With everything you've seen in this life, with all the things that I've blessed you with, do you still fear? And I think this this thing that we've got to ask ourselves this morning, when those trials come... And guys, I think as a church, demographically, there's going to be more and more of those situations. We're, we're, an older, we're getting older now. Many of us have started to lose our parents. Some of us have lost siblings. You know, with the economy, we've lost jobs. Some of you have lost homes. I mean, there's so many different things that Satan loves that goes on in our daily lives because he knows if he keeps prodding and poking hard enough and he keeps interjecting those doubts into your mind, and that fear and that anxiety continues to increase, at some point, you're going to say, God, I'm done, man. I can't take it anymore. But the reality of it is, with or without God, life happens. And how much more so, how much better is it to actually walk with God? You know, we we get into this thing with our kids, and I'm just going to be real here, I've seen this a lot within the congregation. You know, if we train God, if we train our kids the way God says, we might crush them. You know, we might damage their spirit. We might damage their personalities. It's a lack of trust. It's fear. It's buying into what the world tells you. I mean, I've seen this twice in my lifetime. Back in the 60s, there was a psychologist by the name of Dr. Spock. He was anti-anything when it came to any form of discipline with kids. You will squelch them. You will destroy them. They will not develop. They will be worthless in society if you discipline your child, if you say anything challenging to your child. And you know, there's a lot of that stuff. we got those reverberations going on today. I hear it everywhere I go. I mean, I'm out in public, and I cannot believe some of the stuff that I see parents allow their kids to do. I mean, I saw a seven-year-old smack his mom the other day because she told him it was time to go. And she's like... Oh, come on, Jimmy, please, please, come on, Jimmy. Let's go. Let's not make a scene, Jimmy. I'm like, are you kidding me? Give me a day with that kid. You know, honestly, I don't even need a day. I can get him dialed in in a couple hours by applying the principles that God has given us in His Word. Why is it we don't think it works? And you gotta ask yourself, if, if this, if you've bought into that worldly mindset, do you see the respect from your kids? They do what you ask you to do, ask them to do when you ask them to do it. Are they obedient? Are they loving? Are they respectful? Do you feel honored? You know, it's kind of like Caesar Milan says, "Ain't no bad dogs, just bad owners." And you know, it, it may, this may sound a little harsh, but you really need to think about it. What's being modeled in the home? How are you doing when it comes to your interaction? Sitting down to a meal together, actually talking somewhere without a TV going. Or a video game going, or the little DS, whatever they are, they, I see kids even bring to the table. Are we talking about, in light of Deuteronomy, what it means to walk with God, having a relationship with God, 
Not being fearful of God. How awesome God is. Or do our kids hear us talking about what a drag church is? Or, you know, man, my disciple is a derelict. Blah, blah, blah. This, that, and the other. I mean, they're sitting in the back seat. And I guarantee you, there are times they even have the earphones in, guys. And guess what? They got the volume down. They're listening to what you're saying. I, I know this for a fact. I've experienced it. But really thinking this through, do we allow fear to be the thing that dictates the way that we live our lives? Marriage. Well, I do it God's way, I'm going to get hurt. I'm real. If I'm vulnerable, it's going to bite me. It's going to come back on me. You know, singles and teens. Dating non-Christians. Not being, not being willing to wait on God. God's got the right person for you if you need that person. But, you know... We get frustrated. Well, man, everybody else got a boyfriend. Everybody else got a girlfriend. I'm alone. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, these are real things. We all feel it. We all experience it. But God's real clear about being yoked with non-believers. And you know what, guys? All I got to do is read your Bible. How well did it work out for the Israelites? I mean, isn't this a group of Samaritans that were kind of out there? Didn't, they, didn't the Israelis, didn't they divide? I mean, there were issues. That stuff's destructive. If you're yoked with someone that doesn't have the same things in mind, they're that physical presence in your life. You don't do drugs, they do. You will. They're into premarital sex and you swear up and down it ain't ever going to happen. They do. You will. It's just a matter of time. That's how Satan works. You know, finances. We've been tight. Got some personal debt that we had that we're trying to knock out. And you know... I stroked that check. Well, actually, I don't stroke the check. We got the automatic deposit thing going on. But there are, there are, there are weeks where it's like, man, I could have used that extra, you know. This came up. That comes up. I mean, I got a car with a cracked windshield. I got a dent in the side, $500 deductible. I need tires. You know, whatever. I mean, I'll get the tires squared away at some point. I can deal with the cracked window and the dent. But, you know, the reality of it is that a couple weeks contribution, I'd have my tires or I'd have my windshield. But you know what? I wait on God. God calls me to give. He's blessed me with an awesome situation. I'm going to give. We have three different situations this week where money came through totally unexpected. And I, and I thought those days were gone. You know, it's been a long time. And, I, you know, you know how it is, man. I don't know what it is. I always go to the mailbox thinking, I wonder if there's going to be a check in there. It's like, why would there be a check in there? I don't got any side jobs going on. There ain't nothing else happening. Any of you guys ever experienced that? You know, every once in a while you get one of those goofy things from the credit card company and it looks like a check. And I open that thing up, you know, and, you know, tear it in half, toss it in the trash. But God comes through. And, you know, I want to commend the group. I think there's been some incredible strides that we've made. Uh, we had 47, 42 people that didn't give to special contribution last year. That was cut in half. I, that's awesome. For me, that's progress. For the rest of you that aren't participating, we'll get to the bottom of it. If you got issues, there's stuff going on, let's talk about it. We're family. Something that was concerning last week, though, is a region, we came up $31,000 short for the month of August. That's a, that's a whole bunch of interns. That's some full-time positions here in the church. And, you know, the reality might be a lot of vacations, a lot of things like that going on. Amen. But does a vacation nullify your commitment to God? I mean, just because you weren't here, does that mean it's okay not to give? So I, I want to encourage you, if that's where things were at, Let's, let's, get, let's get it back together. We've been making bro- great progress. Let's continue to do so. Amen? Uh, 
Galilee here, a little bit off the Sea of Galilee, talked about it a little bit. I mean, a geographic location obviously makes it susceptible to these violent storms. Uh, the storm, think about this for a minute. These guys are professional fishermen. Any of you guys watch, uh, what is it, Deadliest uh, Deadly Catch? Yeah, I mean, there's some fishing shows like that that are, I mean, I will never complain about the price of King Crab. You won't see me buy it much, but I will never complain about the price of King Crab. What these guys do is crazy. And these Galileans, these guys are professional fishermen. For them to be rattled by this storm, it must have been huge. I mean, you know, these, we know Peter was kind of a surly guy, you know, cursing up a storm from time to time. I mean, he was, I'm sure he was hardcore. I mean, on the front side of the storm, he's probably, oh, you wimps, what's your problem? Then Peter's like, ah! He's freaking out right along with him. In the uh, book of Matthew, it's interesting, the word, the Greek word that uh, Matthew used to describe this, the storm is seismos, which in the Greek, same thing as earthquake. So obviously, pretty devastating situation. You know, we know Jesus. Jesus was tired. He had been teaching. And these guys had seen a slew of miracles, man. He healed the paralytic, drove out a demon, healed the blind man. I mean, just miracle after miracle, healing the sick. There's been all these things that he couldn't have done if he wasn't the Son of God, if he wasn't the Creator himself. And, you know, what was the, what was the response of the disciples here? You know, Jesus up there sleeping in front of the boat with a cushion. Kind of reminds me of Jackie when I went uh, deep sea fishing down in Mazalon. Um, did you say don't go there? Did you say go there? Uh, you know, Jackie shows up and hey, it's one of the, it's the first and the last time she'll ever go deep sea fishing with me. It was Mexico. They kind of misrepresent sometimes the boats you're going out and this thing was a beater. I mean, the diesel fumes coming through the deck. I, I'm like three or four inches off the deck of the boat the whole time because of the fumes. Anyways, Jackie shows up and she's got this, I'm probably going to say the wrong material, but this, this pink velour. Okay, pink terry cloth. It looked like velour to me. You know, it was all fluffy pink stuff. And she has this matching fluffy pink hat. You know, she's got her suntan lotion, her bathing suit. And she's thinking she's going to be out on the deck of this thing, you know, getting a suntan. And, you know, she did have a cushion and she was trying to sleep. But just let's say it was not the most enjoyable experience for her. But anyways, the disciples, they rebuke Jesus. They're like, teacher! Oh my gosh, Jesus! Don't you care if we drown or not? You know, you, you think about this for a minute. This is Jesus Christ, Son of God. They got the Creator, the guy that made all that stuff, in the boat. And they're getting in His grill. I mean, it's kind of wild. They're challenging Christ. So, you know, Jesus gets up, takes care of business, rebuked the wind, spoke to the waves. The result was the wind died. It was completely calm. Jesus spoke, and the creation immediately responded. The words, quiet, be still, siopa, pefismoso, means literally to be muzzled. And I don't know why, Caesar Milan kind of pops in my head again. You know, you ever seen Caesar with his little clicker or his little thing? You know, he's got these dogs that are totally out of control, and he works with them for a little bit, and the dog's barking, and he walks up to it, and he... The dog shuts up. I mean, I just kind of see Jesus out there with the wind waves, you know? Totally calm, totally quiet. You know, and then the response, why are you still so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Fear and what we do is directly tied to our faith. You know, remember, the disciples have been listening to Jesus. They'd seen all these things going on that Jesus had been doing. They still didn't have the faith necessary to weather this storm. 
If they'd had the faith, they wouldn't have been afraid. And the thing that's so crazy about this, not only were they afraid, based on the passage that we just looked at, there was a transition that took place. They went from being afraid to being terrified. Why was that? What was the response? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey? You know, why can fear become such an issue in our life? Fear of losing a job, fear of getting old, being single, fear of our kids not being faithful, becoming a Christian as a teen. You know, man, what am I going to really miss out on now, man? I mean, I, I did this. I'm not sure about my decision. And ultimately, what, what happens in these situations, we're more, more focused on the situations than we are on our Creator. You know, we think about this thing with Jesus. Life follows our thoughts. If we're faithful, if we're focused on God, we'll become everything God has destined for us to become. I mean, how awesome would that be to totally live life to our maximum potential, totally to the full, having impact in areas where maybe a few months ago or a few years ago, you didn't think you'd be able to have that talk or open that Bible or lead that study or serve the poor or serve the congregation. But you take that chance. You get more organized with the time. Rather than saying you don't have the time to do it, you know what? You get disciplined and you start focusing on putting together a schedule. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, you're having an incredible impact on other people's lives. And you're making a difference. Ultimately, what happens is we forget God. We forget who God is. You know, it's, it's so amazing. When you look at the, the, the spectrum, He created the atoms. And you look at this universe that based on all the theories out there about thermal dynamics, it should be shrinking, it should be burning out, it should be getting smaller, and it continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. It makes no sense. But God, it does. And this is the God that has created us. You know, the story of Jesus calming the storm on the Lake of Galilee is an incredible teaching about life in the hands of God. The story needs to remind us that God is in control. God who created the land and the sea has the power to calm the very sea that He created. You know, this is where we get into trouble. We become fearful when the storms of life howl and the waves threaten us because we forget who's in control. Because of this, we take control. We think we can save ourselves. We think we can fix the problems in our life on our own. We think we all of a sudden have all the answers. We've got a better way. We think it all hangs on us. So what do we do? Put one hand on the rudder, just in case God doesn't know what he's doing. The good news is, we're not in control. That needs to be encouraging. Because I know what a mess I am in the flesh. I'm glad I'm not in control. I'm glad I can look to the examples that we have in the Bible where men tried to take control and how kingdoms fell, how dynasties fell. The negative impact on friends and family in those situations where control was taken. You know, we need to remember the storms of life during the chaos, health issues, financial issues, death, through all the temptations that we face and the unexpected hurricanes and tornadoes that blow against us. God is present. God is in control. He cares for us. He's concerned. He's working on our behalf. He's not afraid. He's not driven by fear. 
we need to remember we need to be faith-filled and not fear-filled. Christ can calm any storm. You know, uh, I think it was probably about a year ago, I remember Dwight and Cheryl Velarde were going through a pretty challenging time. You know, with this economy, the job situation was very challenging, very hard. And, I mean, I, I loved Dwight and Cheryl's demeanor. You would never know that they were having issues, that they were having challenges. I mean, seeing Dwight perform on stage, seeing him continue to be... I mean, a lot of people in a situation like that, you wouldn't see them. They'd pull back, you know, sit around licking their wounds. He moved forward. He had faith in God, and God's totally taking care of the family. And it's so great to see them even being willing to take on more responsibilities. They lead a community group now within our church. I mean, that's awesome. That's totally giving God control, relying on God and seeing God work. You know, Christ ultimately can strengthen us through any challenge. 2 Timothy 4, verse 18, it says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil work and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Do you believe that? Something to hang on to. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I just understanding that Christ is always going to be with us. It's a given. Jesus promised it in Matthew 20, 18 through 20. We know that Jesus was given what? All authority. So what does that mean? He's got all authority. He controls everything. He was there at the beginning. He was there during the creation. He even promises in that passage that He will send a Holy Counselor to be with us forever. So Jesus is in us as baptized, saved disciples. We've got that guarantee. Christ is with us every step, every decision, every trial, every joy, every day, every hour. He's with us during every sorrow. With us when we have nothing. With us when we have plenty. He's totally with us when we're abused, when we're sick, when we're facing death. He is always there. The issue is, do we acknowledge the presence? Do we hang on to Him? Do we go to Him in prayer? Do we go to Him through the Word? You know, there's uh, three practicals I'd like to leave you with today. When it comes to fear, the next time anxiety strikes or fear overwhelms you, use these three, this three-part prescription for fear. Here's the practicals. We need to refuse when those things hit. We need to refuse to allow ourselves to be controlled by our circumstances. How do we do that? 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient. We need to remind, we must remind ourselves of what we believe and what we know. Why? We need reminders. I mean, you read through the Bible, I've got to do a word search on it at some point. I am blown away by how many times somebody is saying to everybody else, you need to remember, you need to remember, you need to remember, build an altar, build a memorial, you need to remember. Throughout the New Testament, over and over and over again, even in this passage in Second Peter, this is, this is interesting, kind of the dichotomy here. Peter says, so I will always remind you of these things. Now, does it, based on this passage, does it look like the individual needed a reminder right now? He says, I will always remind you of things even though you know them and you're firmly established in them. So what does that say about us? What does that say about human nature? I mean, we can build on the right foundation. He, he, in this, uh, this address here, he says, you know them. 
And you are firmly established. But you know what? I'll remind you anyway. Why? We're forgetful. My wife will attest to that. I mean, I left, I left the house without my shirt this morning. You know, I packed everything up. I wanted to make sure I had the snake, the mouse, the tablecloths, the containers, all the other stuff. And I get here and I go back out to the car. No shirt. I come back here and look around. No shirt. I hope you haven't left the house yet. But, you know, we, we need those reminders. That's the reality. And what, what, what shape or form do those things come in? The Bible. I mean, all the examples of those that did remember and lived in accordance with God and did it God's way and the victories that came out of that. Think about the whole thing with Saul and David and Goliath. Saul, this immense man, this incredible soldier, and, and totally put up with the taunting of Goliath. David, this little guy, the youngest of the clan, out there with the sheep, shouldn't have been able to facilitate any kind of change there whatsoever. But you know what? Where, where did he, what did he do with his fear? He gave it to God. He stepped out in faith. And look at the incredible victory that came off of that. I mean, history could have been written totally different if David's God had been Saul's God. And we've got to ask ourselves this morning, is David's God our God? And the final one, we need to replace. We must replace our fear with faith in the unseen. Romans 10, verse 17 reads, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. How do we get rid of fear? We've got to replace it by faith. Where does faith come from? If you've got, if you've got challenges you're faced with right now, Make an assessment. Do you have the same zeal and enthusiasm you had as a young Christian when it comes to getting up every day and reading your Bible? Do you have the same zeal and enthusiasm when it comes to whatever the challenges you were that you had as a young Christian? Remember how we used to memorize Scripture and how those things were anchors for some of the challenges that we have in life? How many of you have memorized the Scripture in the last week? Got a few back there. That's awesome. How many in the last month? How many in the last year? Where does faith come from? It comes from hearing the Word. Guess what? You don't have a Bible handy, but you plug that in up there after you've memorized it. It's there. That faith will overcome the fear. It'll point you in the right direction. Maybe it's a matter of just saying, you know what? God, I don't know what to do. The Scripture totally makes sense to me. You know, I'm going to give my disciple a call. Get some help with this. Maybe he can give me some additional insight to help me overcome. Final passage comes out of Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. You know, there's this cartoonist by the name of Theodore a number of years ago. He was into, like, you know, cartoons, doing kid-type pictures and that kind of thing. And uh, he was in an art class, wanted to try and enhance his skill. And the uh, art director said to him, you know, dude, this ain't flying. You're not working within the realm of kind of what I've thrown out there. I don't see this working. Um, you know, your art's never going to be something that anybody's ever going to find any value in. Theodore went on to present his work. He quit school, presented his works to 29 different publishers. They all told him the same thing. This is a joke. It's, it's too kiddy. No one will appreciate it. Finally came upon a publisher that thought that this might work. Did a little name change. Dr. Seuss is the most well-written, well-read, multi-gazillion-selling kids' book of any book series that have ever been done. And you know what? There were times where he was fearful. There were times that he was going to give up. But he totally believed in what it was that he was doing. He continued to pursue it. Sometimes that's what it is with us with fear, guys. We've got to be willing to push through. 
You have an issue, you have a challenge, continue to go after it. You're not feeling close to God, continue to strive to get closer. Get help, be humble, ask what you can do. We've all had challenges, we've all had those issues. Jesus is the master of the wind and the waves. Just as he calmed the storm on the sea, he can calm the storm in our lives. You know, whatever you face right now when it comes to fear, you have two choices. You can worry and assume that Jesus no longer cares for you, or you can overcome that fear by placing trust back in him. You know, some of us may have walked in here this morning with storms raging in our lives. Others come knowing that, you know, there's friends or loved ones who have a storm raging, whether they might be a health problem, a marital problem, job issue, already stressed out, you know, students already stressed out about their grades beginning of the school year here. Maybe it's an addiction problem or even the storm of imminent death. We need to remember that Jesus is in the boat with us. He calls for us to look to him, to put our eyes on him for a moment, take our eyes off the storm, focus on the Savior. He hears us. He wants to answer us. And the same words that he used on his guys we can have take place with us today when he said, peace, be still. I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. He asks us not to just hear these words, but to believe them as well. You know, some of you may be visiting here this morning and you've yet to get in the boat. Maybe some concepts that you're not 100% sure of that you've heard today. The Bible's got all the answers. And what I would like to suggest to you is, Pull aside the friend that you came with this morning and ask them to open the scriptures with you. Tell them, you know, you got it will be real. You got fear you're dealing with, you got anxiety you're dealing with, or stress you're dealing with, whatever it may be, pull them aside. Ask them for help. That's the wonderful thing about Christianity. If we're really living it the way it needs to be lived, it's one beggar showing another beggar where the bread is. We we don't got anything up on anybody. What we do have is men and women that came into our lives and gave us the opportunity to have a part of what they had as well. So let us leave here this morning, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and placing our faith in the Son of God who has the power to calm the storms on the sea as well as the storm within our own lives. I'd like to close this out right now with a prayer. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Well, Father, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for our fellowship. I want to thank you for the opportunity that you bless us with to come together as family, to come together as Christians, to come together as disciples and to focus on you to worship you, to glorify you, and God, to to be your instrument on this planet to help others come to know you as well. Help others to have faith and that they can overcome the challenges and struggles that they have going on in their own life. And God, you have a purpose in store for everyone. There's a destiny, your destiny, that you have put together for us in store for each of us if we live in accordance with your word. And Father, right now I'd like to pray a special prayer for my daughter's friend Ashley. Her mom, Monica, is in the hospital in very critical condition. I just pray that you're with the doctors. Help them to figure out what the challenges that's going on there. And, Father, please restore her to health quickly. God, I love you. And, again, I thank you so much for our church here in the South Bay. Thank you for the way that you continue to pour out your blessing on all of us. May we uh, always remember that, as, as Peter talked about the need to be reminded, even though we're firmly planted in your kingdom, to always remember the power, the love, the blood, the affection, and the forgiveness and grace that's been given to us through Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless.